Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am Rob Clark, one of your co-hosts with us as always, Mr. Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? I'm so glad you use my name every time you introduce me. And if I didn't get mail sometimes at my age, I'd forget my own name. But oh yeah, Ed Katz. Hi everyone. Welcome I, back. I, I do that for you. I mean, most people know who you are and know your first and last name. I just want you to remember who you are. I'm hoping bless that's you, a, my son. It's bless a, you, my son. It's a trigger for you, I'm hoping. <laughs> All right. Everybody read the title. And so everybody everybody is thinking um this is going to be a Bon Jovi episode. Do you know what I mean by that, Ed? Well, he's he's a, he's a singer whose music I'm not wild about. So are we going <laughs> to put everybody to sleep? Is that what you're no 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 insinuating? Uh, that's title of one of his songs. Title of our podcast: Wanted, Dead or Alive. Okay, that's a. Uh, that's, I just, I'm, I'm trying to be funny, yet it's not. Oh, you, you got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wanted dead or alive. People are wondering why would we title a podcast this way? And uh, Ed, let me just jump in, and I think this first question will uh, clear it up. Theft was never a problem at your company, was it? Yeah, right. Are you sure I can't sell you that bridge in Brooklyn? I have such a deal, such an offer. <laughs> you know, if you, if you had some oceanfront property in, in Arizona, I might be interested in something like that. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, initially, theft was a problem at my company. I mean, we, you know, we only hired honest people. But I think in life, if you tempt somebody to steal and they don't have the right integrity or moral compass, they're going to oblige you and, and steal. So initially we did have a problem with theft and I can tell you, <laughs> we used to try to court landlords and get them to like us. So they would recommend us to their tenants that moved in and moved out. And there was a large office complex in downtown Atlanta. And one Monday morning after we had done a move over the weekend in this complex where I had made really great strides and developing a wonderful relationship with the property manager, building manager, I got a call from him. You need to come down here immediately. He said, your guys came in over the weekend and moved so-and-so out of our building and they picked up our vending machines and turned them upside down and shook them and robbed all the food out of them. And you need to come down here now. And I thought, oh my Lord, what happened? Well, first of all, wouldn't you love to hire the, be able to hire the guys that could pick up a vending machine and turn it upside down and shake it? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I was hoping that was, you know, a little bit of an exaggeration on his part. Yeah, well, it was. It made a point. Let me tell you, I couldn't get down there fast enough. You're talking about eating humble pie, and I'm sure that our listeners are saying, boy, we're glad we didn't have that kind of situation ever happen, happen at our moving company because our guys would never, ever uh, raid the contents of a vending machine. And right, and I would like to offer them the Brooklyn Bridge, too, for sale. But yeah, anyhow, exactly. that aside... Here's what happens in the real world. So it's not that the movers purposely go in and shake the machines and they didn't turn any machines upside down. They shook them, right? They right. shook them and then stuff drops down. So here's what probably happened. Cause this I have seen happen. A guy goes down during the break and he puts his 85 cents or a dollar and a quarter, whatever it is today into the machine. And he pushes, you know, E8, he wants potato chips, E8, and he pushes the buttons and nothing falls down, right? So what is he going to do next? He shakes the machine or he might kick it or shake it, whatever. And guess what? The potato chips never do fall down, but something else falls down. He's not happy 
but at least he got something and he eats it. In the meantime, while he's shaking the machine, one of the other crew members walks in from the doorway and he sees that the guy shook the machine and what happened? Some candy fell down, right? So after that guy picks up his candy and walks out and starts eating it, what do you think the guy who watched him not put the money in, but watched him shake the machine, what do you think he does next? Uh, puts his money in and shakes the machine. No, he doesn't put any money in. <laughs> he no. didn't put any money in? What planet What planet are you from? Give me a break. He shakes the machine. So now word spreads to the crew. Hey, the second vending machine from the right, if you shake it, it gives you free hmm right free whatever yeah whatever falls so by the end of the day and the end of the move you know they've shaken it and they've taken out whatever they can get so now monday morning it's now monday morning the movers are long gone the tenants are in the common break room off the lobby they they're, they're clueless they put their money in and they nothing falls down and they see that little thing turning that that ring thing that looks like a giant slinky and nothing falls down. And you think anybody ever calls the number on the vending machine that if your money doesn't, you know, work, call this number? No. Who do you think they call? They call the, the moving manager. They yeah. call the property manager. And they say, so he looks and he notices that somebody has robbed the machine. And who we are always, we're movers. We're always guilty until proven innocent, right? Maybe rightly so. I don't know. So anyhow, that's why I got the phone call. So that's what happened. True story. And that's what I had to solve. I mean, that was my okay, life. So, so how did, how did you solve that? I mean, was this a, a regular thing with vending machines? So I, I have another one that for a little bit of time was a regular thing, but how did you solve the, the vending machine problem? Well, <laughs> I had our big meeting at dispatch board before we dispatched the next day. And I said, look, from now on, if you put money in a vending machine, and we reinforce this with all of our new employees and with on an ongoing basis, all of our employees want to just remind you, if you put money in the vending machine and nothing comes out, if we find out that you have shaken that machine, you're going to be put on probation as subject to being terminated. That means fired. You got that? If you put money in the machine and nothing comes out, you come see Mr. Katz, and that would be me the next day. And I'll reimburse you for whatever money you put in that machine. So you want to know what happened next, Rob? Tell me. We had some really funny guys. It's, it's funny now, but I don't think it was so funny at the time. Somebody dropped in $20 in that machine. Yeah, you know my guys. <laughs> so I go to work the next day and I'm, you know, near the dispatch area and three guys come up to me. Hey, Mr. Katz, Mr. Katz, I put $50 in a machine yesterday. Mr. Katz, I put $100 in a machine yesterday. <laughs> I said, get out of here. You, we, you know, they, they, they were funny. They had a great sense of humor at my expense, but anyhow, yeah. they got the message. And I'll tell you, if we found out that somebody did shake a machine, they were put on probation. I mean, we made an example out of them. You can't do that. You just can't. Well, you know, Ed, I'm, I'm going to bring up another situation we had to deal with and I'm going to put you on the spot. How about that? Oh, no. Uh -oh. So in today's you know, world of, of corporate clients, bigger clients, um, and even sometimes not real big clients, uh, they don't have vending machines, but they go ahead and stock the, 
the kitchen or the break room with, you know, some cookies or snacks that, you know, it's for the employees. You can just take them. There's bottles of water in the fridge and maybe some sodas and things. And we have had the situation a couple of times where our guys would be told that, you know, you take anything from there, that's, that's stealing. It's still theft. It's not yours. It belongs to the company that we're moving. And we would still find that guys would go in there and want to help themselves to a water or maybe a bag of chips. And so in that same scenario, how would you address that type of issue that I think is a more common issue in today's world than, than vending machines? Well, we had that problem where they didn't have snacks out necessarily, but they had food in the refrigerators. And if a supervisor ever caught, or let's say they bought a, a tray of donuts or cookies and they brought them in for the, employees you know during the move and so somebody with sticky fingers walked by and grabbed a cookie or grabbed um a donut or or sandwich or whatever our supervisors were always always observant always looking to make sure that nobody went into that that nobody went into the break room and took anything and if a supervisor saw anybody take a donut a cookie anything from the refrigerator, that person would have been immediately put on probation for 30 days. And again, once you're on probation for 30 days, you violate any company policy during that time, you're terminated, your history. And you have to, you have to enforce it and reinforce it and just remind them, you know, that's not for you to take because you see, you know, a slice of pizza, you know, on a tray that's left in a box or whatever, or, you know, a donut, a cookie or something in the refrigerator, that's theft. You know something? If somebody's going to steal that, they're going to steal something else on the move too. If Well, that's my point. That's exactly right. It leads to other things. Yep. And yep. as a, you know, employer, spotting those things early on and understanding what kind of character for your employees that you have, that's very, very important. Um, but let me jump to another question. How did you stop? I'm, I'm assuming you stopped or maybe you just minimized the risk of theft at your company. Yeah, and it's we, hard to stop stopped. it, right? Yeah, we stopped nothing. Yeah. But we did minimize. It's okay. like, I can't eliminate risk. I can't, but I can minimize the, the risk. And that's what we did. And so we approached it this way. We charged, every time we did an estimate, if, the, if we did an on-site estimate, we charge the customer a minimum of $99 for us to go out and teach them what to pack, what not to pack, and how to label. I mean, that was just set in stone, set in concrete. And we had we mandated that all the employees who are going to be moved attend that meeting. It wasn't like we had the salesperson go out and teach just the contact who in turn would teach his or her employees because that's just not going to happen. So we charged them $99 to send not the salesperson, but we called him a move coordinator usually a retired non-commissioned officer from the military who wanted, you know, part-time per hour work. And I remember Bob Clowers or Harry Fletcher. These are guys that were with us for years that once the move was booked, they go out and teach them what to pack, what not to pack and how to label and go over our moving procedures and what was expected and all that kind of good stuff. So anyhow, included in that, we talked about something that I'll bet you most moving companies never, ever bring up because, and here's the script that Harry Fletcher or Bob Clowers would say to the audience, to the peanut gallery, to the attendees, to this packing demonstration meeting. 
Now I would like to talk about something very serious. Stealing, theft. Look, you're honest, I'm honest, and our employees are honest, but we should never tempt anybody to steal. Before, during, and after the move, you're gonna have a bunch of service providers parading through your office space. Now you're gonna always know who we are because we're in uniform, but we don't know who you are because you don't wear uniforms. And so if you see somebody in your space before, during, or after the move, and you don't know who they are, don't let them just walk throughout your space. They might be a thief. I don't know. Go up and challenge them and say, who are you? Show me some ID. Why are you here? Because there can be theft from other people who know you're moving, parading through your space. And if you're smart, let me tell you something. Men, you are notorious for leaving your wallets in your vest pocket, in your jacket, hanging that on the back of the door in your office. You're just tempting somebody to seal. That needs to be in your pocket. And if you live in New York, it needs to be in your fr- one of your front pockets so you don't get somebody. What, what, uh, are you, what are you saying about New Yorkers? Yeah, I'm telling you that when I lived <laughs> and worked in New York, you, I learned to this day I carry my wallet in my front pocket because a purse snatcher or whatever you call those people that Pickpocketer. Pickpockets, yes. They'll, they'll take a uh, razor blade and slit your back pocket and grab your wallet and you won't even feel it. So in New York, when I lived and worked on Wall Street, I'm telling you, we carried our wallets and to this day carrying my wallet in my front pocket. And then I would say, and ladies, you love to leave your wallets in your pocketbooks on the floor with your pocketbooks open, exposed. Don't leave any temptation around lock it up in a drawer or lock it up in the trunk of your car and hope that your cars are not vandalized. But so in other words, I did a couple things here. I put them on notice. Don't tempt anybody to steal. That was number one. Number two, you know, movers, whether we like it or not, if there's a theft on the floor, who did it? The movers did it. Right. And that's just the way it is guilty until proven innocent with the moving industry. When I gave them a moving target, I said, look, you're going to before, during, and after the move, you're going to have other service providers in your space. And guess what? They're not going to look like unshaven pirates with a bandana on their heads and a black patch over one eye. They're going to look just like me. And of course, I'd, you know, Bob Clowers or Harry Fetcher would be wearing a tie and a, you know, sport jacket. They're going to look like us. They're not going to look like a thief in your mind. You got, you got it? So we, we put the customer on notice. And that went a long way to minimize the temptation. Okay, so besides educating the customer, uh, I can't believe you didn't do something else to make sure you minimize that risk. You mean like carrying a gun in my ankle in my ankle holster for 24 years? Oh, I'm not supposed to say anything like that. I'm, I'm just playing. You know, I would never do that. You know, you, you, anyhow, don't, that you don't even funny. like guns. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I never in my life have ever pulled a gun on anybody. So just so you know, um, what else did we do? We had a four by eight billboard at our dispatch at our dispatch area, and in, in big, it was like a billboard. Is what it looked like. It said up to five hundred dollars reward for information leading to the arrest and or conviction of any employee who steals from a fellow employee from our moving company or from the customer. And we keep all information anonymous, okay? I'll never forget this as long as I live. When I started off in this business, I started off as a mover helper on the back of a truck for a mover in Tucker, Georgia suburb. And I told this 
owner of this company, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. Hey, on our way to the jobs, it's not uncommon for us to stop at a 7-Eleven and these guys, you know, the driver and the guy I'm sitting next to in the cab, they stop in running by a pint of beer or whatever it was, a quart of beer, and they're drinking beer on the way to the job. Do you know what that owner, do you know what he did? The next day he lines the other two guys up and me, and he points to me, he says, Ed, no, I mean, I was Eddie. Eddie over here said that you guys have been stopping at the 7-Eleven and buying beer on the way to the job. Well, those guys wanted to kill Eddie the mover, and I never told that guy ever anything ever again about what anybody was doing because he did not keep it anonymous. So anyhow, we have on our poster, you know, in our in our dispatch area that we keep it anonymous. You know, we're not going to narc and, and say, you know, well, we used to always blame the customer that the customer said that you have sticky fingers or, you know, so and so. We we have uh, the customer's employees saw you in an area that you should not have been in. You know, that's that was that went a long way. That really was a great, a great deterrent. And I can tell you this: I have moving company clients when I've gone back to do surprise audits and go out on the field to make sure they were doing what they're supposed to be doing as IOMI trained and certified office movers. What's, what's IOMI? IOMI, the International Office Moving Institute. Thank you for asking. That's IOMI, I-O-M-I, and that's the online training I offer for. Where, where do they find it? I mean, online, what's, is there an address? Oh, Rob, I'm going to send you so much money after this podcast. It's www.officeoffice.com moves m-o-v-e-s dot com plural and look for training for movers but anyhow when i would go visit my clients and i walk into their break rooms they didn't have 500 dollars reward one of them had 1500 dollars reward so even though they did background checks and screens and all that look some people if you tempt them to steal they're going to steal you want to remove the temptation whenever possible Okay, I have another question for you, Ed. Um, not only do we have employees that work for us that might be tempted to steal, but in an environment during a move, the company that you're moving, we can't assume that all of their people are just, you know, really straight and narrow and would never be tempted to steal either. So I know there's been situations with me uh, in our company of, of being falsely accused. Have you ever been falsely accused of a theft? We have. And before I answer that question, I just thought of another example that relates to our own employees. Okay. So, I mean, I share that with you and then go right, go, go right ahead. I got, I just thought of this boy. I'll tell you this <laughs> in a way it's funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time. We had a big break room, break room that was a full kitchen. And then we had like, tables that would seat 70, 80 of our employees. And we had vending machines in there. They, we had a wonderful kitchen, wonderful break room. And we had a break room for the front office employees. And we had a break room for all the movers, just a wonderful facility. And I don't know how it is where you live, but in, in the South, a lot of times our employees did not eat junk food. They would actually bring food in a, and they called it in the sack, but really it was in Tupperware you know, pork chops or hamburgers or home whatever. cooking, home cooking, home cooking. Yeah. Vegetables. Yeah. And they keep it in the refrigerator. Yeah. And, and then if a job came back early or if they had between jobs, you know, you know, they could go to the refrigerator, go to the kitchen, warm it up in the microwave and, and eat it. 
One day, believe it or not, one of our movers came to me and said, Mr. Katz, somebody has stolen my lunch out of the refrigerator. Now, let me tell you something. I knew darn well that was not possible at our company. We were really, really careful about interviewing, checking references, background screening. I mean, we really walked the walk, and I knew that he was mistaken. So, I, yeah, yeah, I kind of blew it off. Two days later, though, another employee came to me, Mr. Katz, somebody has stolen my lunch. Saying, guess what? I'm thinking, oh no, we have a thief among us. And if they're going to be stealing from our own employees, what happens when they're out on a job and they see a jacket hanging on the back of a door with a wallet in it or an open pocketbook? I mean, I got a, I got a problem here. Right. And before I know it, another employee comes to me and says his lunch is stolen. So meanwhile, the morale is going down. And everybody's saying, you know, Mr. Katz, I think that James, James never has money for lunch. I think he's stealing our lunches because he's he never has lunch money and doesn't bring his lunch. I don't know if it was James or not, but I mean, everybody's starting to point the finger at everyone else. <laughs> and then, I mean, and, uh, and like every other day or every day almost, somebody's meal is being stolen right out from under our eyes. I can't believe it. So now... The guys are saying, we saw so-and-so from the front office in our break room, and we think she is stealing our lunches. I mean, the morale is so low, so finally, enough is enough is enough. I have everybody meeting at dispatch time at at 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday. I mean, we have like 60 or 70 employees there. And I point to the billboard. I said, you see that $500 reward up there? We have a thief that works at our company. I know we do. You know we do. And I said to myself, I want him dead or alive. I want him out of this company. But I was smart enough not to say such a stupid thing. But I sure thought about it. Believe me, I wanted, I thought it was t- just terrible. So anyhow, I said, see that $500 reward? Yeah, yeah. I said, forget about it. I'm not paying you $500. You tell me. You find out who's stealing the lunches. I'm going to pay you $1,000. $1,000 cash. You got it? Yeah, boy. Do you know the next day another lunch was stolen? I mean, not the next day. On Monday, another lunch was stolen. Would you believe that? On Monday, another lunch was stolen. So now the morale is really down and everybody's blaming everybody else. And I mean, and I have people whispering to me in my ear that we think it's so-and-so and, you know. All the... So I have three more subsequent meetings. I'm now up to, I'm not kidding you. I'm up to $3,000 reward. And I whispered to myself, dead or alive. I want him, I'd like to have him dead. I'll be honest, so angry. Anyhow, $3,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and or conviction of somebody who's stealing the lunches. We have a thief, a big time thief. So guess how lucky I got. I walk into the break room that following Wednesday and about 11 o'clock in the morning, I, to get to the warehouse, you walk through the break room and I see hiding in the closet next to the kitchen, one of my employees who was not even scheduled for working that day, and he's hiding in the closet. How you like that? Am I lucky or what? Yeah. You just saved I mean, there's money. only one reason he's in the closet next to the kitchen, and I'm walking in through the break room, right? Sure. So I go up to him, and I say to him, what are you doing in the closet? And he ignores me. I said, what 
are you doing in the closet? And he goes, shh, like he puts his finger up to his mouth. Like, don't be shushing me. I'm Mr. Cass. What are you doing in the closet? I want to know right now. He never answers the question. He takes his right hand and he lifts his arm and he points over to where we all sit at these big tables. You know, we can hold all these break room tables. We have, you know, 70, 80 chairs. And I'm looking, what is, that? What is he pointing at? The vending machines? No. I, I got it now what he's doing. What? He's off that day and he's playing detective. Yeah, he's put bait. He has put his sack lunch on one of the break room tables. He's hiding in the closet. He knows that jobs are coming in and out all day. And he thinks that he's going to be the winner, the victor, of three the collector of $3,000 when he sees whoever steals his lunch. So get out of here, Mr. Cat. You're ruining yes. this. How smart are these guys? They're so smart. I mean, I would have never thought of that. In the meantime, we never did catch the guy. We never caught him. But guess what? Yeah, I'm somebody gonna make quit? Up a name. I'm going to make up a name here. Philip so-and-so quit without notice. He just yeah. quit without notice. He stopped coming to work, disappeared, ended up getting a job as a truck driver for the city of Atlanta. But all I can tell you is this, the day but, that he but, stopped coming okay. to work, no more theft, no okay. more theft. How do you like that one? That's what I was just getting ready to ask, but yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So. I believe in my heart that thieves are lazy people. I just believe that. And, and we turned up the burner so high. It wasn't worth it to this guy to keep stealing, he'd rather go to another work environment where he's not going to be hassled. Well, yeah, he was getting close to being caught. And now the incentive was so big for somebody to, to snitch on him that uh, over lunches that it wasn't worth the risk for him anymore, right? So he moved on. Yeah. yeah. What was the other question? I said, well, let's, let's, let's go back into it because uh, mm -hmm. we know that when we're out at job sites, there's always a risk that the people we have working for us could be tempted to steal. But the flip of that is there's also, uh, you know, employees that work for the company we're moving that could be tempted to steal. No, um, Rob, they are not in the moving industry. We're, come on. That's I've, silly. I've, it's weird, Ed, but I've, I've seen it. It's just really weird. But have you, I've, I've been falsely accused of theft by our people. Have you ever been falsely accused by theft? Well, anybody that knows me is that I know that I'm the most honest person I know. Just ask me. But that aside, <laughs> that's a good I one. got a call one afternoon. I got a call one afternoon about one o'clock in the afternoon. And a woman is screaming and yelling at me through the phone over modulating. She's screaming and yelling. She says, you need to get out here immediately. And immediately was a good 35 minutes away from my base, from my office. She said, I have seven of your movers here today. Our office is closed. This is, believe it or not, on a Wednesday. Our office is closed. You're doing an internal move for us. And this is another Fortune 500 company. And one of your movers, one of your movers has stolen $200 cash from my employee's wallet. And I want to know what you're going to do about it. So I could not drive out there fast enough. I mean, how would you like to get a call like that? I mean, that's that's our industry. That's our business. That's the stress we have. So I'm thinking, oh, no, who's on the crew? And So finally, you know, like 45 minutes later, I park. Don't remember where I parked my car. That's another episode, right? But anyhow, and I go into the building, take the elevator upstairs. I go in there, and I walk into the 
reception room and there are my seven movers kind of like cowering, cowering over in the corner of the reception room. In the meantime, before I can even talk to anybody, this woman runs up to me, points at the movers. Now, this is probably around, what was this, been about uh, 1988, 1989. She'd never get away with this today. She points at my seven movers, and she says, your movers have stolen $200 from the wallet of my employee who's out here helping me up here, helping me today. And I want to know what you're going to do about it. And I'm, you know, and I want another moving crew. And I mean, just going on and on and on. So I said, excuse me, can I please talk to the supervisor? And she's still yelling and screaming at me as I walk quietly over to the crew, you know, and I'm going to mention his name, Philip White. Philip White is still working at PC Movers, one of the best supervisors we ever had. Philip never raised his voice, just spoke softly and quietly. Great guy, just a wonderful guy. I said, Philip, what happened? He said, well, he said, we're we're working on the floor doing a large internal move here. And uh, she came to me and said that we stole $200 from her employee's wallet. I said, where's the employee? She said, he said, back in her office somewhere. That's all he knew. I said, do you think we did it? And he looked at the crew and he said, I don't think so, Mr. Katz. I don't think we took the money. And they said, I'll be honest with you, Mr. Katz. I and the other crew members, we'd like to leave now. We want to go home. We don't want to work for her any longer. I said, let me see what I can figure out here and let's go from there. Don't do anything. Just stay where you are. I said, is anybody else working on the floor right now? He said, yes, there is a painter on a stepladder on the other side of the floor doing something with the ceiling tile. I said, what do you think? He says, I don't think he did it. I don't think he even knows what's going on. I think he's preoccupied doing whatever he's doing up in the ceiling with the ceiling tiles. I said, okay, Tim, I said, let me handle this and we'll go from there. Um, I said, all right, so I go back to her she has not calmed down. She has both hands on her waist, like, what are you going to do, Mr. Katz? I said, can I talk to the person who is the victim? She said, follow me. So we walk back to the office where this young lady is sitting, and she is just beet red, tears streaming down her cheeks, her nose is running, She's hysterical, and she said, you know, oh, what am I going to do? And I, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anyhow, so the client introduces me to her, and I said, can you tell me what happened? She said, yes. All I did was go to the ladies' room. I left my pocketbook with my wallet with my $200 in it as part of my rent money in my wallet, in my pocketbook on top of my desk. I go into the ladies room. I come back eight minutes later. I look in my pocketbook. The wallet's still there, but the $200 is missing. So I think to myself, what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this story? What's going on here? First of all, do you remember what I said in an earlier podcast that, you know, we taught the customers, you know, not to leave anything, you know, I, not an earlier part, an earlier question today. You, we talked about don't leave anything to tempt anybody. I mean, you couldn't have had anything more tempting than leaving your wallet with cash in it 
in your pocketbook on top of your desk while you go to the ladies' room? Like, what's wrong with that story? You know. You know what else caught my when you when you said that was when she came back from the bathroom. Not only did she see her purse still there with the pocketbook in it, but she checked for her two hundred dollars. Why would she check? Right. Right. Yeah. So anyhow, I'm just curious in that situation. What would you have done? I mean, the, the simple thing, I, I had $200 of cash on me. I could have easily taken the money out of my wallet. What do you think? What, if you were the owner of my moving company at that time, you wanted to make the problem go away and just get out of there and do the job and finish it. What would you have done, Rob? It's Ooh. a leading question, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that I, I could have made the problem go away because it would depend on how far she wanted to take it. Um, because all I could do, in that situation, in my opinion, you can tell me where I'm wrong, Ed, is I would tell her, let's get the police involved. Let's file a police report. We'll have the guys stay here on site. Everybody needs to come down and, you know, go through the process of being questioned and, uh, you know, emptying pockets, whatever the police decide to do. And once we go through that process, we'll find out if any of my guys have $200 cash on them or not. Um, unless they, Unless one of your guys stole the money and hid it, you that, know. That's possible. But again, I, mean, that, I don't, that can happen, I don't right? know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should be an owner of a moving company because here's what I did. Because I've said to myself, if I pay, I can make this problem go away in a New York second. Just give her $200. I knew that. I promise her I'm going to give her $200 and get a tour. Make the problem go away. But then that customer is in her mind going to know that we are what? We are thieves, right. right? And she might spread rumors around about don't hire that moving company because they're bunch of thieves they're going to rob you blind steal from you and all that kind of stuff so i knew that was not an option so here's what i calmly said to both the victim and to the customer contact i said here is our policy concerning theft number one i'm going to ask you right now to call the police have them come out and investigate this and take statements from my employees and from the painter and from both of you that's number one. Number two, we are going to volunteer to have all of our employees take a lie detector test. And let me tell you, these tests are $125 each. And we're going to have all of our employees take the lie detector test. You got that? I like that. Volunteer to I take like them. that. Yeah. In addition to that, Ms. Contact, you too are going to take a lie detector test. And I pointed to the victim and you too are going to take the lie detector test. And the painter is going to take a lie detector test because we're going to get to the bottom of this. And then if any of my employees fail the lie detector test, we're going to pay for all the lie detector tests of which we're talking about 10 lie detector tests. We're talking about some money here, aren't we? At $125 each. However, if we are vindicated and none of us fail that test, you, Ms. Contact, for this Fortune 500 company, you're going to pay for the lie detector test. At that moment, I'm interrupted. The sobbing, the sobbing, hysterical victim stops crying. She says, oh, I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to cause any trouble. And I kept my big mouth shut. I thought you were going to say too late. No, I don't want to go down that road. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. So she says, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. And I have a friend who I already spoke to. She's going to loan me the $200. And 
we don't want to get anybody in trouble and we don't want them to have to go through the pains of taking the lie detector tests. And then if nobody is found guilty and all that, then we don't want my customer, my, my company's, you know, my employer to have to pay for it. She's backpedaling like you would not believe. So I said, well, how do we resolve this? So my customer contact is not stupid. She says, I'll get her the money somehow. Don't worry about it. So we go on our merry way and I stay till the end of the job to make sure this monster of a woman contact doesn't berate and harass my employees anymore, right? I was really angry. And um, I stay till the end of the job. The guys finished the move and we never did another job for them. And I, I'm not sure we would have if they had called us, you know, whatever. But in my opinion, who is the thief? Who was the thief here? The victim. Of course. Sure. She had to be. And I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this happened before on another job where she worked for another company and she made money by doing this and that the owner or the general manager or whomever threw money at the claim by saying, here, I'm here. Just here, here's the money. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll take care of this internally and all that. I mean, you, you gotta have, you gotta have a policy and you gotta enforce it. And you got to treat everybody the same. And I knew, you know, with our billboard that says, you know, up to $500 reward and also specifically warning the customer, don't tempt anybody. Why in the heck did she leave her pocketbook like that? I mean, really good unanswered questions, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and it makes me think Ed, that, you know, obviously we don't, you can't always know whether you have a thief working for you or not. But once you find out, you, you obviously deal with it and you handle the situation. Um, but also, you, you, you want to make sure that you don't put your guys, your gals, your crews in a position where they can be falsely accused. Now, you can't control that completely, but you want to minimize that risk. And I say that because we have some clients that uh, we've had for a very long time. And on occasion, They'll ask us to do some work after hours and they'll ask, you guys know the space, you know the suite, you have the instructions, you guys can work up, up here without us here, right? You don't need anybody from our company here with you. And obviously, you know, our answer is absolutely not. Um, I had an, a situation recently where I had a client ask for services, some delivery out of the warehouse, some storage items be delivered to the corporate office. She would meet us there at 6 p.m and received the goods. It was only, you know, quarter of a truckload, wasn't a lot. Um, but we got on site and they couldn't make contact with her. The suite was open, but my crew did not go in and said that she's not answering her cell phone. So I called her on the cell phone and she answered. She said, Rob, you guys can just go in and deliver it. And uh, I, I had to run. I'm sorry. I had some things come up. I can't be there. And you know what I told the client, right? Yeah. We're no not, way. Nope. We're not delivering. I said, not only are we not delivering, we need to pick another night that you can be here, but you will also be charged for the minimum for the work that we attempted to do tonight. And because if we go in and our guys are, you know, whatever, somebody said they had a gold watch in their drawer. Who was here last night? Just a moving company, but I wasn't here. It was only them. Like you said earlier on, Ed, we're going to get blamed for that. And we don't want to be in that situation trying to defend ourselves. I have asked this question. I'm going to, it's so related to what you just said at every, every in-person seminar I ever taught, I'd say this, okay, here's the situation. You gave the customer in writing instructions that at least one customer contact on this load and go load and deliver job will be with our 
employees the entire time, right? So this guy is with you. You're, he's with you till you load everything up. You get to the destination. He opens up the space. You're placing everything. He comes up to the supervisor and he says, hey, I have an emergency at home. My, my uh, nine-year-old son is coughing and I got to run home and take care of him. Babysitter doesn't know what to do. You guys, you don't seem to have much left on the truck. Can you finish unloading everything? I'll sign your bill of lading and uh, you guys just lock up the door behind you. Every time I've asked that question, what would you do? What would you do? What would your crew do in that circumstance? I would tell you this unequivocally, 100% of the time, the students in my classes would say, we'd finish a job without them. And you can't do that. You just can't because guess what? He's not that honest. We don't know. That's exactly I right. Be, I mean, I did live and work in New York for four years, so I am a little bit cynical. That means <laughs> I, dis I distrust the motivation and intentions of other people. I am what I am. But anyhow, so he he sneaks, he leaves, he goes home. They finish the job. They lock up the space. He comes back early the next morning or that night, and he steals his own laptop. He steals it. He, he goes to work the next day. He says, hey, my laptop's missing. He calls the company that moved him. He says, hey, your guys were super. They did a great job. I have only one problem. My $7,000 laptop is missing, and I need to file a claim. Well, we don't know. We don't remember. Well, they remember seeing it, but who was the last one out? That's like, who's the last person that was with this person before he disappeared? You know, like the murder. Right. They always went, right? They all, well, who was the last one there? Was the movers? we're going to file a claim and I'm so sorry, but either you didn't lock the door properly or correctly, or you guys stole it on the way out. I'm, I don't know what's going on at your company. So here's our policy. Here was our policy set in stone, set in concrete. I don't care who it is. If the customer contact said, I've got to leave, I can't, I'm sorry. Either he's got to get another employee to cover for him or that job has ended at that point and whatever's left on that truck goes back to our warehouse at an additional charge. And then we delivered at our convenience when we're available, the next convenient time for us, not nine o'clock in the morning the next day because he left early. I mean, I hate to be so black and white and so hard nosed about this, but think about the unforeseen risk contingency that a company has if they try to be, you know, oh, whatever the customer says, we want them to like us and, and recommend us. And I mean, you can't deify customers. That means make them godlike. You can't. You can't do that. You've got to be nothing personal, just business. Yeah. And this really ties into that the previous podcast we did where we were talking about minimizing risk and, and litigation. And this kind of all goes together with those two podcasts. So listen to this one. And definitely, if you haven't heard the other one, go listen to that one as well. I agree. I All right, agree. Ed, if you were going to have, you know, a couple of little final points to kind of summarize or wrap this up uh, for our listeners to kind of, you know, minimize, to get control of, of theft, uh, what would it be? Thanks for putting me on the spot, Rob. I Let's like see. doing that. I like doing that. Did I pay attention to what I was saying? Probably <laughs> not. But here's here we go. 76-year-old guy trying to test his memory recall. Um I guess, what's the moral of the story? You've got to have an anti-theft policy that you've adopted and implemented. That means you've got to use it. You know, otherwise, you're going to be throwing money at claims that you shouldn't be paying, and it's going to hurt your reputation. You know, 
we have this thing called Yelp, Y-E-L-P, and Craigslist and all these other social media platforms that you get a reputation that, yeah, they do a great job, except they steal. You know, you, you can't do that. You can't allow that to happen. You've got to have a very highly structured procedure, policies, whatever you want to call it, for dealing with theft. It's got to be internal, and it's got to be not just how you handle it internally, but also how you would deal with a customer that alleges that you guys stole from the shipper, from the customer. You got to have it. Do you agree with me? Absolutely. Completely agree with you. Well, thank you. You are so smart. If I could take a gold star and put it on your forehead, I would. I, I think you're very smart to agree with me. I mean, uh, have you found somebody who doesn't agree with you, Ed? My wife is listening. Uh, you can get back to me on that one? I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> well, I enjoyed this podcast, Ed, as I always do. Thanks for doing it with me. Um, hopefully the listeners got some good information out of this one. I can't see where they wouldn't because I think it was some great information we talked about today. And Ed, you're always uh, wonderful having on. I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Thank you for inviting me. It's your show. No, no, it's our show. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And until our next episode, go sell another move. Thank you. Thank you.